Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. Welcome into a new, exciting, exceptionally fantastical episode of 11 Personnel. Nick Roush hanging out with you on a Wednesday night in Louisville, Kentucky with Adam Luckett. Mr. Luckett. Mr. Roush, how you doing, buddy? How was court? Uh, it went. It wasn't even really court either. Like, I wanted to be in like a courtroom or something. That's usually how it goes. But it was just like a conference room. Like, where they were talking about my stupid parking ticket. The dude, and it, for those who don't listen to my radio show, Kentucky Roll Call, which we discussed it on, but I got my car towed one night, and uh, I parked it downtown, I drove downtown, drove my buddies there, I was going to go to the bars, leave it overnight, come back, and get it the next morning. Leave, go out, have a good time, get punched in the face, that's a story for a different day. <laughs> so, to add insult to injury, I go back, can't find my car anywhere, and... It turns out there was like a parking sign, a handicap sign that was like 12 feet in the air behind this tree. We couldn't see it. Well, the report today, so it turns out like like when I got it, I was like, man, the car got towed like right after I left. Like that's pretty weird. Turns out there was some dude at his apartment just looking outside waiting to get somebody who was going to try to park there. And he waved down a cop and was like, I told him not to park there and they didn't listen. I'm like, no, I did, I did not talk to anybody. So if I end up Having to pay that stupid ticket, I'm gonna lose my mind. And that's the worst part. I go to court, and they don't even they don't even tell me if I won or lost my case yet. It's just a sad state of affairs in Lufka, as they call it, around the Central Kentucky parts. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk football. Sounds not like a big tickets. waste of time. Oh yeah, huge waste of time. But if it works in my favor, that's like 250 bucks. I'll say. So maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Roll the dice. Rolling the dice, and the Kentucky Wildcats did not have to roll the dice. This weekend in Nashville, because let's put it this way, Adam, look at the, your Kentucky Wildcats. They're a good football team. Vanderbilt Commodores, not a good football team. Yeah, you could say that. Vandy is really not very good in a lot of different areas, but it was kind of the start you didn't want. Oh, it was, it was, uh, when last week you said, I asked you for a prediction, and you said, ask me 10 minutes in the game, and I, obviously pointed out to you that, hey, that's not how this business works. But you would have been wrong again uh-huh, if I, I asked been. you 10 minutes into the game. I would have been because that scoop and score really just kind of changed the whole tenor of the game. 
But the fact that Kentucky was able to come back after that and on five consecutive possessions score touchdowns to get it to, score, to finish scoring opportunities and to really pound an opponent, something they haven't done, and to score over 30 points in yeah. an SEC game for the first time in forever. Four years, I think. And it, it also showed you that in that first drive or whatever it was where they uh, – I mean, they had to settle for a field goal in the first possession too. But still got points even though – Kicking field goals is like rolling dice right now for them. Yeah, you're telling me. So you get you get points in that first drive. You get two explosive runs from AJ Rose. Then he puts the ball on the turf. Vandy turns it, scooping a score. But they just took over. Offensive line continues to do their thing against the worst defensive line in the SEC. They absolutely dominated, like we thought they would. Man, th- those. This was the most Kentucky's been able to get to the edge since that Arkansas game. And mm-hmm. and man, when when smoke. Just he doesn't need a whole lot of room. No, he's got some juice. He's got a lot of juice. We saw juice from Chris Rodriguez mm-hmm. too that we didn't know we'd seen, and we got a Benny Snell esque run out of him as well. And one thing we have to remember is it's November. A lot of these defenses are tired because they've played ten games going into this weekend. Mm-hmm. Where when you look at the workload of Smoke and Rodriguez and even Rose to a certain extent, they should all have fresh legs yeah. here for these last couple games. So I think you saw some of that on Saturday. I even saw some of it against Tennessee, especially with Smoke on his touchdown run. That was the first time where we saw some explosion from him since that Florida game. Yeah, he uh, he said he had – it was just a lot of annoying injuries. Mm-hmm. He was like, I was just in the training he just, table. Uh, he just hit the wall. I mean, he hit the freshman wall. A lot of it's learning to play through bumps and bruises. He had a concussion he was dealing with and who knows what else. And that's just a learning experience for him as – Part of being a running back is you're going to have to play banged up. Mm-hmm. And you cannot let that, you know, affect your game. You have to find a way to be productive. So that I think that was a learning experience for Smoke. And it it should tell him that, you know, you need to do some work in the offseason. You need to get stronger. You need to get faster. You need to do all that. But it was good to see all of that. Uh, the potential that we kind of talked about all year, mm-hmm. it, it showed its face. And – even without A.J. Rose, who, I, I mean, I kind of dogged him some last week, and then he has two big runs on the first two possessions, and you're like, oh, A.J.'s back. Okay. He must have been listening to me dog him. Made some people uh, so, miss in so open field. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, that one, he made a dude miss like 20 yards downfield too. Gave him a on little, the second one, yeah. Gave him the dead leg and just mm-hmm. dropped him. But I, I thought that play, for what it's worth, I thought they had boned that play dead. Whenever he got stripped, because it looked like there was forward. Yeah, it was right there. in front of me. I thought they were, they didn't, but they were just about to blow it dead. I know. And, and then, another second, and it was going to be blown dead. But to Kentucky's credit, from they were unfazed. I think they kind of knew, like, all right, they've gotten something on us. That that, that throwback they had to Keyshawn Vaughn was a nice they, trick play. They emptied out the, their cupboard in that second drive. You had <laughs> you had that throwback. You had the reverse to Clyde Lipscomb. I think Vaughn was pretty mad after he got that forearm from Bully on the right. sideline. Oh, yeah. I went back. See, I didn't see that on live because that was in front of me. Uh-huh. I went back and watched the game. I was like, ooh, that's probably should have been Bully. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I've seen that well, before. And the thing is, too, is like you don't know if he like gave him one or if he was just like, I ain't getting out of your way, dude. You're running into a brick wall because for the most part, he's just pretty composed and I ain't running into Bully's belly. 
Yeah, I mean, that, I'm sure that didn't feel good. No, it's no. a big old dude you're running into. But they, the Lipsum game was a big one, and Kentucky had a tackle for loss at the line of scrimmage. I forget who it was, but just hit him at the hips, slid right off. A boogie missed a sack. I don't know if it was on that drive or not. Uh, but their trick play was a good one because mm-hmm. my eyes were all on the post, and they were leaking out dudes back to Vaughn, who I think did he throw it to him initially, or he handed it off? I think. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He, something like that. He threw it backwards and then took off for a screen. So it, the play took a long time, and there was only it might have been boogie, but it was only one outside linebacker recognized it. They ended up getting all the way down there, ends up scoring a touchdown. But aside from those couple of trick plays, Kentucky was in control. And even though I'm sure there were some fans that had the bags over their mouth and they were you know uh, trying to catch some air after a really tough week, Kentucky didn't panic and. They went down, and not only did they run all over them, Adam Luckett, but in a similar spot, we talked about it a ton on this podcast last week about delivering a knockout punch. Cats go no huddle when Bowden completes some passes, and they get two touchdowns in that four-minute window before half and that four-minute window after half. And that just completely changed the game. That would have changed the game. It it happened the opposite direction uh, against Tennessee the week prior. There's a term going around in like the analytical world right now. It's called the middle eight. So see that that was the one that uh, Brad, who dropped it. It was one of the coaches. I want to give him credit. Belichick was uh, kind of the guy who started it. I think made it popular. I, I think Stoops said it in his post game. But NFL, it's, lot, it's a term in the NFL they're using a lot now. And middle eight is the last four minutes of the second half, the first four minutes, or excuse me, last four minutes of the second quarter, the first four minutes of the third quarter. Because of how the possessions change, and you can totally flip a game in that in that moment. So Kentucky in the middle eight, Vanderbilt they scored a touchdown, they get the ball back, go down and score. Fourteen point swing right there, ball, boom, ball game's over. From a three point game to a seventeen point game, just like that. Before Vanderbilt really has a possession again. So that's that was the key in the game. They just they won the middle eight, and that's a key in a, a lot of games. You look back. Tennessee got got a score late where Kentucky had the ball and didn't score. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, or last year at Tennessee in the middle eight, Tennessee throws the Hail Mary. Oh, just brutal. Just and kills Throws the Hail Mary or scores the touchdown with like three minutes left to go up 10 nothing, then throws the Hail Mary after Kentucky goes three and out. Boom, 17 nothing. ball game's over. Yeah. So you can win games and you can really – that's a great point in time to separate yourself from your opponent. And that's what Kentucky did. And well, they didn't let off the gas. Like we said, they learned how to deliver a knockout punch – and they did it by pretty much enforcing their will up front against Vanderbilt, running the ball with Bowden, with running backs, and then doing some good things in the pass game. We saw Cleavon Thomas have a nice it was good run to, after catch. Uh, Stoops bragged about it on his call-in show that he called that play. No, actually, I think he was talking about smoke screen pass where it was third and long, and he said he called that play. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm one for one, Tom. Um, where they hit smoke and he got the 26-yard game. But you had multiple screen passes. On the last touchdown drive. You had multiple screen passes in the game. And I think that's a basic ask from a lot of fans is like, can we, if we're going to throw it some with Lynn, like, can we not just do the chuck it deep? Because that's that's a tough throw. And, like, if Wagner isn't in there drawing PIs, then your efficiency just drops dramatically. It's almost like you're wasting a play. Whereas at least on the screen play, you're just getting it in their hands and letting them do something. Cleveland yeah. busts a 40-yarder, almost got a score. You saw that, and you saw a you saw some nice bub- out routes, too. Mm-hmm. We saw a bubble screen with Ali in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. You saw him hit Cleveland Thomas, I believe it was a stick route on, like, third down. 
Yes. And then, uh, then you know, he took his deep shot to Ali, which was way off. Yeah, was way and then he, you know, but he, he hit the he hit the little out route to the tight end, which was not. There was an yeah, that was a beautiful red zone play. Yeah. He was a break broken tackle away, keeping up Shaw from scoring, and it stopped the the clock too for them to get up and run another play. And all right, my question to you: Do you think he was going to underthrow that touchdown to Ali? Well, he about did. <laughs> <laughs> he just uh, when he gets moving like that, he just doesn't really have any He's, zip on the football. Well, and I think what it is too is. Guys, it's it's the guy who I was this guy. I would rather take a shot that's contested versus wide open. Like something about just seeing a dude wide open, it's just like, oh gosh, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. And I think that's what Lynn does whenever he sees. Dudes I think wide if open. Lynn can get his wind up going, he can get it to a lot of places. But when it's moving and has to throw on the run with just a flick of the wrist, uh-huh. he just I just don't think he can get it places. And it's he he has a hard time. I, think no one wanted to put arch on it yeah. as opposed to putting more mustard well, on it. Well, the good thing is, is he put enough mustard on it to tip the ball into Ali's hand. And I think that was the first extra point of the game that we saw some arch under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice. So a little arch under it. A little, a little because we have, but we also saw one that barely squeaked, squeaked that, in. How did that ball go in? I don't know. I'll take it. And how? then the knuckleball on the field goal. He's, he's, it's like he's out there toe bashing. I don't know. There's McGinnis a, might. It looks like he's almost fattening it, like we, like I do with my golf clubs, where I get up there and I hit the grass before I hit the ball. That's what almost some of his kicks it, look like. It really does. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. We need to get. I I don't know how to fix my golf swing, so I can't fix a a, soccer, a field goal kicker either. But you make a good point with the way that it wobbles like that, because it's not like, I mean. At least they're straight. Thank God they're straight. Because Kentucky needed those. And, and frankly, they're going to need them down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, because we could have a fun little field goal kicker off in that Wolfville game. That that could get really wonky with both teams' I know, kickers. I both teams' kickers got some issues. At one, though. And it's rains in the forecast. I looked today. Yeah, it's 10 days away. 13 to 15 mile an hour winds in the forecast. <laughs> I love that you're already getting. How much trash talking have you done with Louisville fans you're friends with? Not, not, not much. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I guess mine are just all jerks because we have been going at it. Because this is, it's a fun. You live in Louisville, so you know that like, this is the first time in a long time that it feels like we're entering a UK UVL football game where things feel pretty even. Both teams have good cases to make as to why they can win. Kind of, kind of a weird world we're living in. Feels good to be back. It is, but at the same time, I think Louisville thinks they're a year ahead, yeah. but they still know that they've got, I think, issues. But they're just enjoying that the ACC's being down. They've been able to steal some games on the road, but they know like they're not where they want to be. But at the same time, Kentucky's like, you know, we've kind of used duct tape and glue to get to this point. It's <laughs> a, a bridge year, and then next year. Time. I think we're going to have a really good team. Mm-hmm. So, from that standpoint, it's kind of weird. But, you know, Kentucky hasn't won that game at home in a long time. Uh, Since 2009. It? Yeah, I remember. It was the Joker game. and Well, no, it was Joker-Charlie Strong. That was at Louisville. The Joker Joker's last year as offensive coordinator, Rich Brooks' last year as head coach, was the last time Kentucky won at home. Because in 2011, Teddy Bridgewater comes off the bench – 
and beats Kentucky. Wait, wait, wait. A backup quarterback <laughs> beat Kentucky? I, yes. No, say it ain't so. I'm shocked. And then I'm Stoops like has lost three in a row at Commonwealth Stadium slash yeah, Kroger Field. Well, you know what? They won the last fight at Kroger Field because they used a garbage They game. did. They did. I got to tell you, you want a funny behind-the-scenes story? I don't think you've ever shared this before. So the garbage can game happens, and that was – was it? Was that been twenty fifteen? Twenty seventeen. Twenty. So twenty seventeen. Twenty fifteen. Josh Forrest threw the ball into the stands. Yeah, best defensive touchdown celebration ever. That ball's still fine. It's in uh, the stratosphere right now. But the so the the garbage can game happens. It's twenty seventeen, and that day I was just like, stick a fork in me. I'm done. Like it was a it was a long season. And just something about it, like I was just exhausted from it all. And go, I think that was my first year really being able to do the, the, the football coverage the way I wanted to. I think mean, we were doing two podcasts a week, kind of like this. But I just for whatever reason, that day I was emotionally spent. And I remember getting home and I just started. I was like, you know what? Football season's over with for now. I'll worry about a bowl game in a week. But I was – and frankly, some of it, like I'm a big pro fight guy. Like I, I think fights in sports are good. Like I, that's a, and I know you're like, oh, you can't. No, I'm very pro fighting. But the kind of like way in which like the first fight was fun because the game was so close. But when it gets out of hand and you're just fighting because you're you're being a sore loser, that's when I'm like, Ugh, the shame, the guilt, my mentions are blowing up, and I was just done. I went home and just started. Pounding bourbon. <laughs> I mean, just getting after it. And that's when the video of Denzel Ware g- picking up the trash can and throwing it at somebody and then him proceeding to fall down with the trash can in his hand. That was when that came out. Right when I was buzzing like a bumblebee and my words just didn't work. It was like one of those like late night texts from Matt like, hey, we need to get this up. And I just I couldn't do it. Like I sat in front of my computer and stared, and I wrote the name of the Louisville player wrong four times. I had to update the post that many times. I could not do it, and I was just like, dude, what is wrong with you? Funny story. What when is I got, wrong with you? <laughs> when I got back to my hotel in Nashville, before I went to bed, I wrote like two paragraphs for the morning post. I woke up the next morning and couldn't understand it. <laughs> Didn't know what I was saying, where I was going, so I was like, Select, delete. Man, thank God there's an update button, and it's not like we're like firing this on a typewriter or right. else. My goodness. Whew. It'd be rough. It'd be, be rough. Trouble. But anyway, back to Nashville. Um, the second half, we got to see a lot of underclassmen in action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most notably, J.J. Weaver. Was he your favorite underclassman to see in action? Yeah, he looks the part. Can I also say, too, I'm – Pretty surprised. Like, yeah. Well, I want to go on record that I said before the season, back before 11 personnel, when we were on the KSR football feed mm-hmm. for our signing day, I said that he needed a red shirt and that he was going to move inside. I thought he was going to be a down lineman, but he's not He's not that. So you were very wrong. I was wrong. Hand up. I, I'm glad you admitted that. And I, I was more from a, like – the dude looked like an athlete, but he looked almost more like a power forward in that he had these big, broad shoulders, but just nothing there. And I worried that, 
Like, it's Louisville more football. No offense to the fine folks at Louisville more, but that class of football in the same kind of football SEC. So I worried about just from a technique standpoint, like how long would it take him to pick that up and how long he would be able to implement that in his game. And I think the most shock, like that, that's probably what shocked me more is like I could expect him to go make some tackles, but Stoops is out there saying like he's in the right position because he he's is. doing the right things and he's being assignment sound. And that's impressive for a kid who is, that was just his second game of action and what, eight, two, three months into his redshirt season? Right. So ooh, well done, JJ. Well done. And just in run support, that outside spot, it's Kentucky struggled defend runs in that spot for the most part, especially at Jack. They've, and what's really hurting them on those outside runs is Jack and Nickel, two guys. They had two guys there last year who made a lot of plays, and now they don't have that. No, they're making sacks in the NFL. But, but Weaver, you know, he held his ground, was at a spot, and is athletic enough to make up ground, and he he's not missing tape. When he gets there, he's taking the, the guy down to mm-hmm. the ground. And it was just good to see. I think pass rushing-wise, we really haven't seen him affect the game at all. They've used him, but he really has gotten there yet, so he probably needs some more work there. But the other parts of his game, just being in the right spot at the right time, holding his spot, and chase down, running down plays See, from behind. And that's those are effort plays. Mm-hmm. And it's also like part of it's like I've got to make – because one of those tackles was a third down where the dude kind of got free, and he had to make that play to force a tough fourth down. And I think I think that was ultimately the, the turnover on downs that happened late. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that fourth quarter, but JJ uh, Weaver stole the show. Obviously, I was. How do you think Stoops is going to handle? Man. How to play him the last two, last three games? Is it... so Stoops? He 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 joked about. I'm, we're having a conversation JJ doesn't know about on Monday. I'm thinking that he's not going to play him against UT Martin because just from the reviews that he gave him. So yeah, everybody knows. The bowl game counts towards these redshirt games. It's a real football game. It counts on your record. Bowl game counts as one of your four games that a redshirt can play. And I think that he, even though he could get probably the most reps against UT Martin, I think they played him instead of Casey. Yeah, and Casey McDaniel played this Saturday, and they put him on the back burner, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what will happen. Because of what you said about run support, Like I think he might get some real snaps against Louisville and some real I snaps that. in that bowl game. Um, especially after you get 15 practices for that bowl game too. Mm-hmm. Um, one other player though to kind of switch gears just a little bit. It was the first time this has happened to me all year. I had to say, who is 34? What? Jalen Geiger. Jalen Geiger. I mean, hit him right in the numbers too. Or I guess it was probably like kind of the shoulder pad a little bit. But I mean, it was. You got to catch it. But it was <laughs> good to see Kentucky finally get an interception. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was. But that's another one. He was in the right spot, it, but it was he didn't. Know, he just didn't put his head up. Right, right. <laughs> he was doing his job. But um, I think the bigger thing, though, is Yusuf Corker, Harley Newer. Harley Newer. <laughs> Shout out to Cash getting the pressure there. Corker just right place, right time. Mm-hmm. So that was good to see. And that's one thing I want to see in these last couple games is can they start forcing really havoc. It's two games in a row, or Nick Roush, and three out of four where they've gotten just two tackles for loss. Hmm. It's not good. That's not good. No. And you, if you get some, you know, and that's with how good they're playing. You get more of those, and you put some the offenses in some bad spots, and that's where you can get some takeaways. 
So I think in these next few games, that's one thing to look for is can they create some more havoc? Can they get some more tackles for loss, some more pressure on the quarterback so they can get some sacks or some forced fumbles and and start um, changing the game? The defense is doing a good job, all intents and purposes, of keeping everything in front and giving their offense a chance, but can they change the game? Can they give their offense a good feel like they did at the beginning of the game, which was a bad snap by Vanderbilt? Yeah, yeah. But to your point, they've been really good at being stout, but they haven't been game changers. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that Josh Allen did all the time. That's something Mike Edwards did all the time. And I think some of it's because they're playing bad offenses. So, like, their ineptitude is also part of the blame. Uh, I mean, they got got a couple hurries where they're flushing them out of the pocket. And I don't – I think – like once or twice, you know, they tackle him one or two yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. So yeah, Neil had a lot of keeps that really went it, nowhere. Yeah, it was like a one or two yard that's basically a sack, but you don't get counter or credited for it because it, you know, he just scrambled just enough. But I, I think a, you're gonna see a lot of that against UT Martin because they stink. In Louisville, they they're they're a big play offense, so they're gonna you're going to see some longer dropbacks where it takes some time for the play to develop, and it gives those pass rushers time to, to get in there and make something happen. Mm-hmm. Louisville, they give up – they allow negative plays, and they turn the ball over a few times this year. But that's what you said. They they are going to take their shots deep, mm-hmm. and they're going to run the ball, and they're going to use play action, and they got an athletic quarterback who – still not sure what his first name is. Uh, Miko Hardman. Miko Hardman. It is like Mik- – Mikhail, I think. Mikhail Cunningham. You, uh, Mikhail is like uh, the old Chappelle skit where he was like, see, Mikhail. I don't know if I've seen that one. Uh, yeah, maybe I, it was something else. Maybe it was early internet. I remember that was being a thing that I said a lot when I went to Kentucky Kingdom. I would go down the hill and I would go, Mikhail. <laughs> I'm sure you did. So I, I don't know if that actually was from Chappelle's show, but that's where I, I got a lot of my very immature humor back when I was 13. Probably not a good place for a 13-year-old to get humor Chappelle show that was i mean great holds great up run there holds up late great. 2000s yeah, it was like oh three oh five or early 2000s yeah we were we were younger you were just old that's the thing. maybe, maybe so. I, so i'm curious uh let's put down the the pen and pencils for a second how were those how many eight dollar bills did you spend over there at uh old vanderbilt stadium you enjoy those uh i left the wife in charge of the finances <laughs> so i get but by, by, by that, I mean I had the cash and I just gave the cash, but I wasn't <laughs> counting the money. Yeah, it was kind of funny because it had the aesthetic of a Louisville football game where it's half-empty stands and you just see more people in the aisles going up and down to get beers than you actually do see watching the game. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Now, I've never been to one of these games, but that's kind of the atmosphere I would expect if I was going to like a CUSA game, like if I was going yeah. out to WKU, yeah, you know, twenty-two thousand people, kind of rowdy. Tailgate scene is just, you know, it's okay. Yeah, and but people in there, everybody's having a good time in the game. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, not the too, best football. Yeah, you're not getting like people who are like booing you or UK fans or anything out. Like everybody's just there for a good time. Right. That's kind of what it reminded me of. But as I'm sitting there in the game, my thought is, I don't know how these Vanderbilt players do it. Every game they go out, for the most part, it's especially this year, it's worse than 50-50 almost. Yeah. Kentucky, oh, definitely Kentucky worse. was probably 
Yeah, uh, Georgia. Georgia sold was ninety five five. Yeah, and then LSU. It was probably you know 80-25-15, like I'm it was sure. Kentucky. Is, is Tennessee at Vanderbilt this year? No. Okay. It's in Knoxville this year. I mean, you'd almost rather play on the road, wouldn't you? Right. <sighs> and they asked Jordan Rogers during the Georgia game because he played there. Right, right. And yeah, but he was there when they were. He was a Franklin guy, right? Right. He was there yeah. when they were good. And he was even like, yeah, yeah he's, there's no really sugarcoating it. It sucks. You know, it really sucks, but there's nothing you can really do about it. Oh, man. So, Eli Gein, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, works for LDX18. And he went around to Devaney Tailgates and was like, how does it feel to see more fans of the other team at your home games? And the responses he got were all pretty, like, none of them really cared. But the most hilarious one in this, like, two-and-a-half-minute video was the very last guy. He's like, you know, I don't like it, but it's really great for the tax base. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? At least it's solid for the tax base. You got to appreciate the tourism dollars, right? And then you see Vanderbilt. The baseball stadium is like attached to the football stadium. Mm-hmm. The it, football stadium almost grows into the basketball. And arena. The baseball stadium is like state of the art. Yeah. And then you see the football stadium that needs all kinds of work. They need a new turf. They need upgrades to the seat. The only up, the only seat backs I saw were up right below the press box. I think there's like 38 of them. And I guess those are just for, you know, if Tim McGraw wants to come to a game or something. Well, and I saw this thing too, Bucket. In the elevator, they had a menu. I, of course, I took a terrible blurry picture of it. But their menu for their suites, it was all Kentucky themed. It was like Kentucky Burgoo, Kentucky Hot Brown. So I guess for their suites, instead of like – we're going to have Nashville cuisine for the, our visitors. We're just going to appease the visitors and have whatever they have. Like like at LSU, they always serve like jambalaya and stuff like that. I guess when LSU came to town, they served all Creole food, Cajun food. Like that's probably. I mean, that's to the level of. They have Chick Fil A when Georgia came to town. Uh, they have Chick Fil A. That's they have it every week. I was just saying house. that because that's where. But yes, that, that is a good point though. Just we're only going to serve Chick Fil A, nothing else. <laughs> But, yeah, it, I feel for them. But at least they got beer now. Yeah. Which? They don't necessarily have the best setup. Not many what, what stands. Was, what was the setup like? Was it like three? There's just like a booth for every probably ten sections or so. Or eight sections or so. So there were lines? Yeah, and there's only like two or three people working it. So the lines are really long. Did they at least have the cool cups where they fill them up from the bottom? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. That sucks. Yeah, it's very uh, archaic. Very 1990s operation. Well, and the stadium looks 1990s. Yes, and it does. I, the, to get up to the concourse, I don't know how you even do that, but where the media walks in, it's like under the stands, and it feels like you're at Old Fairgrounds. And stadium. don't you all interview players on the field? On the field after the game, yeah, that's it. Is in Louisville like that too? Uh, well, they they could do the hallway, but if you win at Louisville, everybody wants to be out on the field. So they can talk trash. They okay. want they want like everybody to see him, you know, after the game. Right. But um, yeah, poor Vandy. Thoughts and prayers. Hey, you know what though? You were you were early in on the cup snake action though. I was right did, there, did you, about twenty rows behind us. Did you contribute? To we did not. <sighs> really. You were right next to a cup snake that was the size of an entire section, and you couldn't even contribute to the cup snake? Listen, I was sitting there drinking beer, watching my football, 
by the time I finished it, the cup snake was all the way on the other end. So I could never get to the cup snake. I figured it would come go end to end by the end of the game. <laughs> it was like the wave. You just wanted to go all the way around. <laughs> yeah. But and to be fair, that's it's kind of what a football guy would do. You're too busy with your football to be bothered with a cup snake. The cup snake was very interesting. <laughs> and I was glad to see it got on television. Yeah, it was just a shame. Even though the announcers had no clue what a cup snake was. <laughs> they did not get the reference. They didn't get the joke. But, hey, you know, not everybody can be as hip as your, your friends over here at 11 personnel. What do we think Mitch Barnhart thought when he saw that on the side? Like, I'm assuming he was there staying on the sidelines. I, I just hope that he, like, at least thought it, like, had a laugh. Because Mitch Barnhart guy, I don't know if I've ever seen laugh. We have a picture on him where his face, he it's like his jaw looks really squared, and he has the look like the, yeah, say, yeah. <laughs> like from an old 20s gangster, but like in a very cartoonish manner where he's talking to Mark Stoops after a win. But I don't think I've ever seen him like laugh. He's a very serious guy. His button is always buttoned all the way up, so you know. Top button on the polo guy. No nonsense at all. So I hope that he laughed a little bit. I, I will say I was shocked at the video of UK like thanking the fans. For I was up. too. The dude is double fit. He has like th- four beers in his hand. He's got he's got a couple beers and then he's got two cups of God knows what in his elbow. And he's starting a cat's chant, but he's like frozen because he can't spill any of his beer. So maybe they're embracing it. I hope they do because Saturday would be a nice game to have some eight dollar bills to spend. This would this upcoming one. It would be. I'm sure Vanderbilt is liking that decision. And I wonder if it played a little role into the fact that they're bringing Mason back instead of paying that buyout and going out and getting a new coach. Yeah. They got some new income that's going to help them get by. Yeah, yeah. Um, from visiting fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, from visiting fans. We'll get to that, but first, Adam Luckett, I got some breaking news for you. We got a sponsor. Oh, yeah. We have a, 11 personnel has a sponsor, folks. Tell me about them, Nick Rouse. Hold on your seats. And here's the thing, Adam Luckett. They're the perfect sponsor of this podcast because it's our friends over at MyBookie. MyBookie, we can't make wagers legally on sports in the state of Kentucky, but you can with MyBookie on your phone right now. And really, there's it's like the most perfect time of the year to be placing some wagers on sporting events. So... What do we got coming up this weekend, Adam Luckett? We've got football starting Saturday. We've got so Kentucky basketball Friday, Kentucky football Saturday, Kentucky basketball Monday. Then you have Feast Week. Feast Week in basketball. Maui. Maui games. Atlantis. Basically happening all day, every day. You have NFL football on Thursday. You've got college football and college basketball on Friday. You got a little egg bowl action. Maction. Maction. There are sports nonstop, and you top it all off with the Governor's Cup at noon on Saturday. And my bookie is there to help you with all of your sports gambling needs. During Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. So you're going to be sitting there on Thanksgiving. You're not going to want to talk to your cousin about you know his baby or them asking you when you're going to have a baby. In the Bears-Lions, that game is going to stink. So the only way to make it entertaining is a place – a wager, a risk-free wager. Choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, you've got extra holiday money to spend. 
If you lose, well, congratulations to you as well because my bookie will give you all your money back. That's, you can't What lose. a deal. Yes, it, it's, it's a no-brainer because you cannot lose all risk. It's no risk, all gravy. You like that? Ooh. It's all gravy, and there's no better time for gravy than Thanksgiving. And also, you can get yourself hooked up with my bookie by logging on at mybookie.ag to make your first deposit with promo code 11 personnel. All right, that's our promo code. Use that. You're helping us out. And for those who don't know, there's two ends in personnel. Only one L. 11, one, one personnel. Use that code. And they will match your deposit dollar for dollar, risk-free, to get you going on on top of that risk-free bet. So it's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet on the Thanksgiving Bears-Lions game. You've got nothing to lose. So go ahead, visit mybookie.com, AG, and put in that promo code 11PERSONNEL. That's 11-P-E-R-S-O-N-N-E-L. They'll match They'll match your deposit, and they're going to hook you up with $250 in that Bears Lions game. And my bookie has a very entertaining Twitter account. Oh, it's fantastic. They do a lot of good stuff on there. Especially like, like during the games, they get mm-hmm. all the really funny clips. You right. know, it's not just – and they'll show you – did you see what happened in that Cardinals game? The Cardinals uh, – I did not see it. Oh, my God. So, Cardinals, 49ers. 49ers are nine-and-a-half point favorites in some books. Ten in most. Oh, I saw it. I saw it now that you the, talk, the Cardinals, it's a four-point game. They're down four. They got two seconds left. And they tried doing the uh, Nashville Miracle or whatever you want to call it. They're trying to throw it all, all the ball around and lateral it around. Well, this lineman, he picks it up and just launches it over his head. It's not like a 10-yard lateral. He throws it like 30 yards over his head. And it just bounces right into a 49ers player who just picks it up, walks two yards to score. So instead of Arizona covering, it's a push. Or if you got the, uh, if you had Cardinals plus nine and a half, you just lost straight up. Just absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Colorado State is playing Air Force this weekend. Colorado State is a ten and a half point dog. They are down by nine, I believe it was, or they're fourteen and a half dog down by ten. They're driving late for a meaningless score to get it to one possession. Mm-hmm. It's like first or second and goal inside the five. They run a play action to the tight end. The quarterback never sees the safety. Safety picks it off. Oh. 100 yards to the house. 100 yards? To cover. And that was with like 20 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty bad. Oh, man. Uh, do you got any bets you'd like to suggest to any of our listeners for the weekend? I think Arizona State's a live dog at home this week. Getting 15, Oregon. It's a lot. You know, Oregon's got two huge games coming up. They've got the Civil War with Oregon State, mm-hmm. a rivalry. I believe they play on Friday. And then, of course, the Pac-12 championship against Utah. So, I like Arizona State. He's coming off by four losses, so it's kind of a rally of the troops moment there for play to win the game, Herm Edwards. <laughs> so, I like the Sun Devils this weekend. All right, all right. And it's the ABC night game, 730. We'll be 430 out the, there. The, the only downer game. to this Saturday is it's FCF Saturday. SoCon Saturday from the SEC. What are your thoughts on college football media outside the footprint that despised the SEC for doing this? I think it's hilarious because they get all all fussy over nothing. I think what's the difference between playing these games 
the beginning of the end. I would much this rather week, proposal week two or week three. I would much rather play them now. Much rather play them. Well, now. they do it because they want to be fresh for their rivalry games. Yeah, and it makes sense. Right. And you normally don't have a year where you have two bye weeks like this year. Right. You know, like some of them, like South Carolina's taking a bye. Which Clemson's on bye. That is a whole mess we can get Florida. into. Yeah, uh, Auburn, Alabama, they might as well be. They got like they, they're playing Sanford and West Carolina. But Mac Jones, man, he gets a tune-up game, so it, they're lucky they have it right now. Right. They, they Alabama needs an FCS just to build up Mac Jones' confidence a little mm-hmm. bit up before the Iron Bowl. Um, so I I just think it's hilarious, and we'll still get enough Big Ten good games of the Big Ten to watch. Um, Ohio State, Penn State, Big Noon Saturday, which I absolutely love. Um, just from I get to watch good nooners. Um, and then that Minnesota have a at Northwestern at noon. It's next week that they play Wisconsin. They play Wisconsin at home yeah, next yeah. week. Uh, but either way, I, I'm I'm Battle totally for the fine Paul with Paul Bunyan axe. I'm totally fine with oh, that's a great trophy. Yeah. I'm totally fine with SoCon Saturday. I enjoy it as a beat writer to have the kind of relaxed moment. Now, last year, people confused Middle Tennessee State with a SoCon team. Middle Middle's good. Like, they were almost in the Conference USA Championship game last they year. Were. They, they were. They were. Okay, yeah. They were a good team that, luckily, Mike Edwards has pick six on the second play and a fumble recovery on, like, the fifth play. That really got Kentucky off to a good start. But kind of like our guys in the match, Chris Creighton. How about him? Three years in a row, or four years in a row, they're bowl eligible. But three out of four, they'll be going bowling. Man, they did which at same. Eastern Michigan, do to do oh. that is damn impressive. I didn't realize this until I was doing some preseason homework. Eastern Michigan is historically just the worst football. Yeah, program. they might be the worst in all of FES historically. And, and now they're bringing cinder uh, blocks <laughs> <laughs> to all their road games and busting them down. Uh, before each game, it's, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. They got a big Maxion win, um, but enough Maxion. Let's talk about our friends. Well, br- briefly Vanderbilt, but South Carolina is the one that I can't wait to get into because they're just just cr- complete crap show. Derek Mason here to say, I am not that surprised, but the way that they worded the reason why they're staying is like, okay, we haven't done any investing in football. We get that, but we're going to. For the next guy. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what they said. Is like, we see him as a part of our future, but it's really just to get it that year to where you can say we've got to, you know. Get all your ducks in a row. Exactly. And I think a lot of it was Malcolm Turner, their new AD, mm-hmm. didn't want to hire a football coach and a basketball coach in his first year on the job. Yeah. That's tie, that's really tying your, your hands to two guys. Mm-hmm. That, eh, if they don't work out, then it might be gone. And, you know, I kind of feel for Mason because he's been out saying, you know, I'm the man for this job. I'm this job, for this job. Pretty much saying this job stinks. <laughs> and, you know, talk about spending money. You know, this week compared Kentucky, Mark Stoops, he said, I see a guy like Stoops where they invested in the program, got him the resources, and now look at them. Look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel for him. And, you know, he lost his offense coordinator quarterback, and they have stunk he, he out does, loud on he offense. He does need to just find some offense coordinator. I mean, like the fact that – But it's that, setting up – I mean, it's hard now because you know you're in a lane nook gear. You know you're in win or go home yeah. mode. And who's what? who is going to want to work in that environment? What kind of play caller or upcoming coach is going to want to be stuck in that environment where it's kind of a lose-lose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it, but, hey, for Kentucky – you get Mason at home for one more year. Keep him down while you can. 
at South Carolina, who knows if you're going to have somebody. Like, what that coach is going to be like next year. Because uh, I don't think we have enough time to even get into all the he said, he said. in the Ray Tanner. Well, it only it's been going on for about three or four days. Robert Caslin and Must Will Muschamp. Just absolute debacle. So, Will Muschamp, you know him. He's the screaming head coach on the sideline. Ray Tanner, you don't know him. He's the South Carolina AD. You pointed out to me he was their baseball coach. When they won the World Series back in like 10, 07, 11. Was that, it was somewhere around there. I want to say 07, 08. That sounds about right. But he won back-to-back college World Series at, at South Carolina. Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah. He's on the Red Sox on that team. Robert Caslin, I think they just call him Bob Caslin. Yeah, I've seen both. I've seen Bob and Robert. So, so he is a retired Bob. general. And he is entering his first year as South Carolina's president. He looks like a retired general. He's got the flat top. He does not look like a guy Still who lifts is, weights. He does not look like a dude you could call Bob. He actually kind of looks like Frank Martin. Like, they look like they could he be does brothers. He a little bit. Yeah, he, he's, they're never getting rid of Frank Martin, uh, which uh, I don't know if you should. You know. They they might have had to hire Castle so they could fire Frank Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, since Monday of last week, so South Carolina loses to Appalachian State, and Robert Caslin gets mad and goes to the Greenville newspaper and just, like, start screaming about Will Muschamp. Not actually screaming, but, like, this is not okay. Like, slamming his hand on the table and, like, basically saying, well, he has my support, but then, like, adding in these, like, word, like phrases the entire time, like, we'll evaluate it at the end of the year. And you're like, wait, but you just said he has his full support? And it has been a game of cat and mouse between Kaslin making statements, Tanner making statements, and then Kaslin just... Going off the rails. It really got off the rails. So so they lose Appalachian State. He's mad. That Friday, A.D. Tanner, he's like, yeah, we're, we're both on the same page. We support Muschamp. Well, they lose to A&M. So Mad Caslin goes to another newspaper. In Florence. In Florence. And is just like. Yeah. He said his words were twisted. Yeah, he said his words were twisted. But he still supports Muschamp. But if nobody shows up to the Clemson game and it looks like we're imploding, we'll have to see into it again. And then. When asked directly, did Ray Tanner talk to anybody, or did you talk to anybody at Florida State about their bow? Said no, but Tanner did. The AD talked to him about a bow. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> and so when, that ended up becoming the lead of the story. And now they've released they've released two statements since then. The most recent one, Wednesday afternoon, and I had it pulled up. I got it right here. If you, you want to read it, yeah. Earlier this week, I had a lengthy conversation with reporters and editors from the Florence Morning News about our university and the importance of keeping it affordable and accessible to the people of South Carolina. In the course of that interview, I was asked several questions about the football program, one about Coach Muschamp that I misinterpreted. I misspoke and the mistake was mine. And I apologize for any confusion my comments have created with Gamecock fans or our program, which essentially saying that I'm backing off those, and Will Muschamp is our coach right now. And the the best part too is he and could, probably will because we only made eighteen million eighteen million dollars. He, he had to set, he had to blame himself for misinterpreting it instead of the newspaper for twisting his words because that other paper was like, oh, we twisted him, Bob. Well, here's the audio to the interview. Twist away. I mean, it is just an ab. It's chaos at South Carolina, and essentially they're just kind of stuck. They're stuck, and they're fresh off. An awful loss at A&M. 
Yeah, they that they had no chance in that game. Like thirty, they, they, 30 they, to they, six, South Carolina, or South Carolina allowed like three hundred something rushing yards. Their offense is stunk. I mean, they've given up on the season. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. And I'm I'm curious, like it. How many Clemson fans do you think are going to pack Bryce Williams? Like, do they hate South Carolina enough to do a to even outdo what Kentucky did last year at Papa John's? Or don't call me Papa John's. Excuse me, Cardinal Stadium. They might. I don't know enough about that rivalry to know like what the fan, like how many fans of South Carolina or how Clemson live in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, I know that they really hate like because the the family I have down there, they're not Clemson fans, but they only really know Clemson fans, and they hate South Carolina fans and the South Carolina fans. I mean, it is like it is nasty. So that's that's why I it think might happen. that's why I think it could be a very very orange day at Williams Bryce and Dabo. You bet your sweet ass he's running that score up. That thing is going to be fifty to ten tops. Yeah, I believe Clemson scored at least fifty points in four straight games. Which, by the way, they're just playing scrimmages. Oh yeah. Well, and like Wake Forest, that was the closest. They they were what forty point favorites. It was like thirty five and a half, I think. I mean, granted, Wake Forest lost their best player, but still. <sighs> Their two best receivers are out. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely brutal. Um, but I just – I don't feel bad for him, though. You you, you signed that deal with Will Muschamp. Made your bed and I lied. Right. I mean, a lot of it's Tanner. He's the guy who hired him. Yeah. And I saw a quote, I believe, the other day. It might have been you telling me about it. It was Pat Dooley. They, when they hired him, he went on Feinbaum. Pat Dooley wrote for, writes for Gainesville yes. newspaper. He's a big Feinbaum guy. They asked him his reaction. He said, I laugh for five minutes straight. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, man. So, they fell for it. Now, Muschamp, he's going to have to fire his offensive coordinator, Brian McClendon, who's in the second year of calling plays. This is going to be, I believe, his sixth coordinator in nine seasons as a head coach next year. <laughs> Nine or ten seasons. So he's like Bobby Petrino with defensive coordinators. Right. So he just can't figure it out on that side of the ball, and it's going to be a make or break year. And of course, they probably have a tough schedule again next year. Right? We'd have to pull it up to see, but it can't be any tougher. We could. We could be having some multiple changes in the East next year after twenty twenty. We're keeping them for now, uh, which is encouraging to see. Um, I am happy, but it's just it just goes to show you too. It's really nice to be on the other side of it. I feel like for many years, Kentucky fans have been on the side of chaos, disorganization, and craziness. Where, meanwhile, Mark Stu's stability not sexy, is fun, but stability is nice. You, you're you're lined up to get to a fourth bowl game in a row. Um, as we said last week, looking like it's going to be the Belk Bowl, and it's probably it's going to be the last Belk Bowl too. It's like they're changing the name. Yeah, Bel- Belk's pulling out their sponsors sponsorship. Of the game, and so if you want to know why, I, I figured out the reason why I'm about ninety percent certain of its belt bow bucket. I was talking to John Hale of the Courier Journal before Mark Stoops' press conference on Monday morning. He made a chart for that that group of six bowl games that every SEC team set to Outback, Taxlayer, all that, and he had. Where each team like had played in each year in this six-year contract, so they, do, they they go by contract years. Next year starts a new contract where they renew with the the various different bowl games. Vegas gets added, Independence Bowl gets thrown out. They change things up frequently. In this contract, so we're going in the final year of the contract. T- 
Tennessee has never been in the tax layer bowl. And well, they went in 2014. Okay, well, they ha- so they haven't been in f- for five years. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee hasn't been there in five years, and they beat Kentucky. Mississippi State's never been in the Texas Bowl. They're west. They're that kind of neck of the woods. They still have to get ball eligible, though, too. We didn't even remember that. So they have to beat they, Ole Miss? Though they yeah. have FCS this week, and then they get Ole Miss at home. Okay. By the way, Ole Miss is going to run all over their ass. <laughs> so if Mississippi State becomes bowl eligible, they're Texas. Mm-hmm. They were Liberty Bowl recently, weren't they? I can't. They were Outback last year. The year before that, they were Tax Slayer. Yeah, so that, but I, you would they think they could go to Nashville, Memphis, or probably Texas. Yeah. One of those three. Texas kind of makes sense. I know that, like in theory, Kentucky could, but they they know they're not going to get fans at the Texas Bowl. It's the day before the UK here's, basketball. Here's game. my thing with it. What if A and M sitting there at seven and five? They're they're kind of the logical pick for the Outback Bowl because let's say yeah, let's say Minnesota loses to Wisconsin. And then Florida's, you know, in the New Year Six. Yeah. So what if A&M's like, just let us go to Houston. It's right up the road so our fans can go. Because the last two years they've gone to Charlotte and Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Let us go somewhere where our fans will go since they're top of the line. They're like, yeah. okay, you can go to the Texas Bowl. And then all of a sudden that opens up that Outback Bowl. So then maybe you bump up Tennessee to Outback and then you get Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's to Jacksonville. open. Right. Yeah. Because if that in that scenario, then things can open up. So that's that's the one thing I think could happen, because I think it's very very possible that A and M's like, we don't want to go to Florida again. You also just really want to go to Jacksonville because you got a place I to do, stay. I do, <laughs> I do, but I do yeah. I do admit, and I've said this before the season and all season we've said, what is the most logical bowl, and we said Belk because yeah. they just haven't been there yet. They haven't been there yet, and a lot of people are. I know Louisville went to Music City like four years ago, but. They've been to most of those bowls, like in that tier. So Music City kind of makes sense if they went. And I mean, they're not gonna, they're not playing that game twice in a row. They're just not. Right. UK would say no. Put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Music City doesn't want that either. Right. Um, so there's been like 20 Music City bowls, and Kentucky's played in five of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I think we're a little bit tired of it at this point. And Belk's nice. New Year's Eve noon. I'm cool with that. I, who 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 do you want your opponent to be? ACC. Got to be Miami, right? I kind of want Pitt. Pitt? I kind of want like a 6-9 to nine game against Pitt. Here's the thing about Pitt. It would get so stupid and so ugly. Per SP+, Plus, Pitt's defense is like top 15. Yep. Their offense is like 110th. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's what I'm saying. It's a carbon copy. It'd be like that, uh, was it Florida-Michigan punt off in the Outback Bowl? Or Florida-Iowa. And it could be it's Charlotte, just, so it's probably going to be cold. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just think of Max Duffy, man. That's his Ray Guy moment. Right. He'd have that award at home. Which, by the way, your boy's winning that award. They took – Braden Mann isn't even a semifinalist. The dude from a and Crown him. Ed has Duffy's name written all over. Speaking of awards, what's the deal with the Horning Award and voting? Is it determined the winner or is this no, just no, some no. fun they it's do? It's one eighteen. So they have 18 votes, and 17 of them are by humans, and one okay. of them is a fan vote. That's fine. Because you know Limbaugh's going to win that award. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, he's running away with it. It's the Nebraska bots out there. Like, those fans are crazy. They're not going to a bowl game, so they got to vote. <laughs> God, you hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. Oh, but hey, Scott Frost, though, he's sticking around, though, right? He got see, the seal of approval. I know that, that got a lot of people's ire. But I, I think it's more of a statement saying, like, to their fan base and to the program and to the recruiting mm-hmm. prospects, it's like, 
this is our guy. We're all in. It's been a rough start, but we knew it was going to be. Just, you know, just stay patient. We're going to get there. We believe in mm-hmm. we believe in the hire we made. Does, so. And those – and for those who aren't online as much as we are, Nebraska fans are nutso on the line. And th- it's basically the same trajectory as Stoops right now, except I think he's sitting at four wins right now, um, Frost, in year two instead of five with Stoops. Right. He They should beat Maryland this weekend to get to five and six, and then they get Iowa at home last week of the season. Yeah, they ain't winning that. So they'll, get, they'll be a five-win team. So it's a similar trajectory. I think they'd give him pay. They'd they'd give him like fans would give him a pass for another year because he's one of their guys. Regardless, the problem was with them. Nebraska became kind of a media darling. Yeah, yeah. Well, this off season and also everybody expected big things from their offense and yeah, their quarterback's been a big disappointment. Yeah, he and he because he had the he showed flashes early on like in his first year and then he's just stunk. Just yeah, he's been, been bad this he, year. He he is denying it. He is like. Uh, People love to talk about Phil Rivers in fourth quarters throwing back-breaking interceptions. That's Adrian Martinez loves throwing terrible interceptions late in games. Remember that Nebraska game last year where they were up by like 17 in the fourth quarter and blew it? Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. What Absolute game was hilarious. that? At Northwestern. At Northwestern? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. It was the Northwestern. That was one of those, how the hell did you lose that game? I forget. <laughs> yeah, what a comeback. Oh, that was great. I loved every Overtime. second of it. Oh, man. My parents were at that game. Were they? Yeah. Northwestern was I watched rocking. that game. Absolutely rocking. Uh, speaking of coaching searches, we got a new one in the Florida State. Yes, we have a new name and, popping up. And you know what? This name, A, is not coming from some random TV station, which I think is very significant. And it's a name that I could see it making sense I from A, do. things are getting a little stale. Let's change it up. Do you want to reveal that name, Madam Wilkins? It is the Brian Kelly. From Notre Dame. From Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's been at Notre Dame like 10 years now. He's taken them to the playoff, went to a national championship game. Has really made them stable. I mean, he's been the best Notre Dame coach they've had since Lou Holtz. Yeah, you, you made the – like, it wasn't really a joke, but you said on Twitter, like, he's the best coach for anybody that Notre Dame's had in our lifetime. Right. And my brother-in-law, big Notre Dame fan, he turned 30 today, and – he is fine with Brian Kelly, but in the back of the mind, they know they think they can do better. They're yeah. getting a little, they're they're getting an itch because mm-hmm. really, the, I mean, the best they've done, yeah, they're ten win teams almost every year, but then they lose a big one that matters most. The, the biggest one, of course, obviously being the Manti Teo girlfriend debacle right. with AJ McCarron and Catherine Webb. Mm-hmm. So like, it just feels like a move he's ready to make. I think he's wanted to go to NFL, but no one's really bid on him. <laughs> they haven't been like, hey, come here. So it's getting to a point where he's 59 years old. If you're going to make a move, it's kind of time to make it. Or he will, he'll be 59 next year, excuse me. In Florida State, from a recruiting standpoint, Notre Dame, they have a structure where they're not all in on trying to get the best possible. They kind of want to live to their standards a little bit where at Florida State, you're going to have a bigger recruiting ceiling. Where at Notre Dame, you st- now, it's not the limitations that they talk like it is. Right, There's right. still some limitations there. It's not the old Paul Horning quote. Right. right yeah. So, at Florida State, it's a chance for him to go down there and see what he can do at, at a program where he can, you know, pretty much recruit at a top five level just by, by showing up at the high schools in Florida with a Florida State polo on. Exactly. And a guy who's coaching a national championship game. 
Um, been to the playoff recently. Yeah. So Co- coaches in big coaches in big games every year. Yeah. He's experienced. He has years at Central Michigan, years at Cincinnati. Now you're here's at Notre Dame. Yeah, kind of a jerk. So he could deal with the Yahoos at Florida State. Right. The the part that I like made me really raise my eyebrow because we've seen a lot of. I mean, we, we've mentioned just some of the laughable names, but the reason why it has some credibility is because it got thrown out there by Bud Elliott. Who mm-hmm. Bud Elliott? If you don't know him, he is. If you want to follow anybody at Florida State, you follow Bud Elliott. He's, he goes on fine bombs sometimes. He can't. He went on with Matt one time. I was like, man, this guy's a prick. He's kind of a prick. He write, but he writes for that Banner Society, mm-hmm. and he has good stuff. He's just kind of a prick. But there isn't anybody more tied in to Florida State than Bud Elliott, and it came from him. And most of the time, when you've heard names thrown out, he's just like laughing. And this one, it's like he well, was. He was the whole time about Stoops was telling everybody that that's not happening. Oh yeah, yeah. The Bob, the, the Bob Stoops, is. yeah. When you had like that flash in the pan for like mm-hmm. two or three days, people were like, "Oh my gosh!" So there could be something to this. There could be some juice to it. And from Brian Kelly's standpoint, too, if you're going to make a move to another team, going to a place like Florida State where you're the only – you're like, oh, you mean I only have to beat Clemson? That's not that bad. And he'd get a chance to play Notre Dame, too, and kick their ass down the road. Like, you know that doesn't – Right, he would. That doesn't, you know, get the Because of the ACC tie-in that Notre Dame has where they have to play like four ACC teams a year. Exactly. So, I I think it would kind of make sense, um, but – I I would be a big fan of it because a, it just you know we don't have to worry about any Stoopson. I haven't heard any Stoopson at all down there. I've heard that there are some reports out there that said he's a candidate and that he's expressed interest in the job, whether you want to believe that or not. But with that said, and they're also throwing him in there with Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, it's, Mike Norvell. It's that whole tier where Kelly would just be you know, and the, he's a, he's in a whole other. The gist wow. I'm getting is their interim right now, Odell Hagens, is Mr. Florida State. Mm-hmm. He played ball there for Bowden in the late 80s. He's been coaching there for like 20 years, Had a right? cup of coffee in the NFL, and as soon as he got out of the NFL, he went back to Florida State, was a GA, and then became an assistant coach. So he's practically, since he was 18, minus like two to three years in the NFL, he's been in Tallahassee with that program. He's... He went 2-0 and when Jimbo left as an interim. He's sitting at 4-0 and right now. They played, you know, they surprised a lot of people by going up to Boston College and winning that game. They have a bye week, and they're going to the Swamp. Yes, they're going to Florida this weekend to play, or next weekend to play yes, the Gators in that big game. Week. Yep. If he goes down there and not necessarily wins, but play, has that game competitive. And they've won that Boston College game pretty handily. That's 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 what just makes the Taggart firing more bizarre. Is like they actually were showing some life. Like they could have won six games, gone to a bowl, and then next year won ten. He just he just didn't cut it. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers Florida State put up these last two years, were as bad as they've been ever in the long in since Bowden's been there. I mean, yeah. it just it was bad, and he just looked like he was in over his head. He wasn't recruiting well enough, like you thought he would. That I think that was what the ultimate kicker. Because they, they, they have shown life lately, and maybe that's the – we're done with Taggart and we're going to try to play for the new guy. But I think whoever gets that so job – That's something to keep an eye on because if that happens and they kind of swing and miss on a couple guys, I could see Hagens being ahead of Mark Stoops. But I think Mark Stoops is in the mix. It's all going to depend mm-hmm. on the relationships that probably he has. And then the boosters, we don't really know. They're playing a role in all this. Yeah. So I think that's why you're seeing them really push after some big-name candidates. 
swing a miss on Bob Stoops, now Brian Kelly. If they swing a miss on Brian Kelly, you know, you could see a guy like Mike Gundy or Gary Patterson or mm. someone like that pop up. T Boone isn't even around anymore right. to, to keep Gundy But Mike back Gundy is notorious for coming out and oh, he's great. interviewing and playing the game and getting a raise out of it. Yeah. He'd done it to ten- he did it to Tennessee twice. <laughs> he's done it to Florida. He's done it to a bunch of schools. So you have to know that game going in, and that's his reputation. Speaking of that game, we need to talk about a little bit about the one Saturday against UT Martin. Third game in a row versus a team from the Volunteer State. Yeah, uh, the Skyhawks. Uh, remember the last time Kentucky played the Skyhawks? Twenty fourteen. Fifty nine points. I have the highlight package ready to go in the, the previews scouting report. Damn, you will I, see. I was going to write the entire post on it. I'm going to do that anyway because <laughs> we for it. we need some filler on Saturday morning. We need to fill some time. Uh, Blake Bone. I remember it was Blake Bone touchdown. It was big touchdown. They ran him off the field. It was also a Will Tanner game, who was a, a wide receiver at UK. I think he was a walk-on. And it came with Joker and then transferred to uh, UT Martin and had a big game uh, for the Skyhawks in that game. He had you know, like six catches. Do you know I knew who, him because I had class with him. Do you uh, know who UT Martin's assistant offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, excuse see, me, quarterback coach is? I completely – Forgot about this until Drew Franklin wrote one of his best posts in a long time today on KentuckySportsRadio.com, and that is about Trinity alumnus, Lamar Jackson's quarterback coach, <laughs> the man who made Lamar Jackson is what many people are calling Nick Petrino. Who? That guy. What a fall. So, so he, familiar face. You're going to uh, see somebody you, you used to see a lot. On Saturday, which uh, which one of the Petrinos was he? Because he was the first. He was my age. He's about thirty years old. The one that was a year younger, Bobby Junior. Dude, what a dick! <laughs> God, I hated that guy. Yeah, we he. There was some uh, some little league basketball skirmishes between that guy. He was a total jerk. Um, regardless, you got Nick Petrino at UT Martin. The Skyhawks are what seven four. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not going. Well, they're having a good season. They're. They would be on the bubble, yeah. But they're, but they're on the outside the looking in, yeah, and yeah. this is kind of weird because it's their last game, mm-hmm. and they're playing an SEC team in their last game. They kind of know they're not making the playoffs, mm-hmm. so how they come out, I'm going to be really interested to see. Got nothing to lose. Got to can't hold nothing back now. <laughs> Got to let it rip. Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. Yeah, Waterboy. Yeah, um, but the thing that the, really the overall gist that I've gotten. Uh, going into this week is that well it's kind of a bummer though because their defense is nothing like we've seen in the last month no it's a three three five god I, what? they they live off produce, producing havoc plays like we talked about earlier some kentucky struggle with that's what ut martin wants they want they're going to blitz a lot they're going to take risk and they're going to try to get tackles for loss so the three three five it got big with rich rod at west virginia and it worked well because uh, especially in that conference, it's a lot of it was pass heavy offenses, and you could just blitz and confuse the hell out of people. I don't know why team like it's not still a thing for a reason. Like you aren't seeing it's it's not like where you see the the kind of trickle up of innovation of college football offenses up to the pros. It's not like you're seeing that with this defense. I don't know why teams still think that like it's a good idea, but you know what? I think of the FCS level. And if you look at UT's and Martin's numbers on defense, defense is the stronger part of their team. And it, it's been good is this Is it just because they confuse people with it? Like I would assume it has something to do with athletes they can recruit 
probably hard for them to find good defensive linemen. Yeah. But when you talk about those 170, 180 pound, between 190 pound linebackers in high school that can maybe play safety or linebacker at college, yeah, I think from there they could probably get a handful of those, and they figured that you just that's, get that like hybrid spot where you right. kind of yeah. That way you can get five of those type players on the field at once. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the three safeties and the two linebackers, yeah. or the three linebackers, six players on the field at once. So I think from that standpoint. Either way, this is a big game to see how many times Logan Stenberg knocks put puts a linebacker on their back. It's a big game for those guards just getting upfield and put somebody on their ass. Right, and it's a big game for Kentucky because they've played bad in this spot in the past. Yeah, they're zero and four in their last four games against the FCS point against the spread. Of Which course, we, the EKU game everybody remembers in fifteen. Who? Almost went as bad as was it that, could go. Was that Noah Spence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Also, Dorian Baker saved Kentucky. He also was like addicted to ecstasy. That's a weird drug to be addicted to. You know that? That's bizarre. He's, he's Ohio a, State transfer. He's in the league for a while. I don't think he's still. The Bucks is. drafted him, but I don't know if he ever did anything. I, don't th- I think he might have had like a game, like a Monday night football game, where he did something big. But hey, see at Mike Edwards sack the other day. I did not see it. Yeah, from the nickel. It's good to see him. He's Mike a ball Edwards. player. Yeah. He, even though their defense really stinks in Tampa Bay. Um, but I, you, you're right in that Kentucky struggled in this spot, but I'm, I'm really hopeful that just the the joke of, well, Kentucky basketball lost to Evansville, Kentucky football could lose to UT Martin. No, Kentucky, if you can run the football, you're just going to overpower teams. Now, if you're Washington State and you're throwing the ball around the yard over the place, then you're you're leaving yourself up. Like, you're susceptible to upsets. But when you can run the football and get seven, eight yards of carry, like, that's what Kentucky's going to do again on Saturday. And I'm hopeful that we don't get more than one Lynn Bowden drive in the second half. I'm hopeful we get a lot of Sawyer Smith because, A, we didn't realize that Sawyer, like, just how healthy or unhealthy he wasn't. He said after the Vandy game, he wasn't 100% to like a week before. And he was close on those deep balls. And that's where he's at his best is throwing those deep balls. When he came off the field on the quarterback sneak, which I hated that call right there. <laughs> but it, was, it worked. It worked. But it's not like Sawyer is Patrick Coles, 240 pounds, just going to get in there. Hey, but he's good at him. <laughs> well, anyway, he came off the field shaking his hand, <laughs> shaking his right hand. Yeah. I still think that's not all – there, but at the same time, his first pass of the game was a sticker out to Bryce Oliver on the outside. Nailed he threw him. a dart, and then yeah. the next play, he drilled Akeem Hayes on a, like a seven-yard out route, and those were the best two throws we've seen him make in a while. And even the late throw to B.J. Alexander was a little bit off target, but it had zip, and it got there in a hurry. But we also saw the ball security issues that we've all been worried about mm-hmm. when he – Got pressured, and he tried to dump it out to Chris Rodriguez, Ooh. and it went backwards. Yeah. And that, to me, as just as much as the health thing, is why the coaching staff, I think, is rolling with Bolton because they know who Sawyer is. They've seen it enough. He He's going to make some big throws. He's got a big arm, but he's a turnover machine. Yeah. And, and if you so what you're trading off when you have Sawyer versus Lynn is you get an ability to go deep with the ball. And, okay, there's an explosive play you can get. But if it's incomplete, it's second and ten. Kentucky was averaging seven yards a carry against Vanderbilt. At worst, like in these final two games, they're going to be getting five. 
you're wasting five yards of play. That, that's how I look at it. In the pros, they're all going to more passing because passing is much more efficient. For Kentucky, running is so much more efficient right now. You're just, you're, you're just guaranteed. You're almost guaranteed to get four or five yards every single time. You know how much ball. fun the head coach has when he watches this tape. <laughs> you know how much fun Mark Stoops is having when he pops this tape in oh, the last few weeks watching this style of football. And then you've heard the coaching staff point to it: Stoops and Grand. What happens when they get Terry? When we get Terry in this? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, oh man, and then he triple said option if, Terry. Then then quadruple I believe option. Grant said if Bowden came back, it'd be the quadruple option. <laughs> and then you got a quarterback that you're recruiting, a transfer from Auburn, Joey Gatewood, who is built for an offense like oh, this. Oh man, he's built for it. He is really built for it. And I think it's a good sign that he hasn't scheduled another visit yet. That's very good. Yeah, I'm. And when you look at his mm-hmm. the competition right now, it's Florida, Mississippi State. Emory Jones was in the same class as Joey Gatewood and was ranked higher. Coming from the situation he came from at Auburn, do you really think he wants to put himself in that competition, that fierce competition again? Yeah. At Mississippi State, Joe Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead has blew up that quarterback situation the last two years. It's been awful. He's poor Garrett Trader too has just gotten just crushed. Right. And you've got rumors of him wanting to leave. So do you trust he's going to be there? And then Kentucky, like we talked about, the st- stability's there. Mm-hmm. The offense fits your skill set. I think it's – there's three guys that I heard some things on the last few weeks that I just – I feel good about where Kentucky is. And that's one of which is a guy who's announced on National Signing Day, Tyler Barron. Early signing day. Yes. December well, 18th. They still call it National Signing Day. The kids do. Uh, I like where the Cats are with Gatewood right now because we made it through that week without them scheduling a visit. And I like where they're at with Ox. So, some big Molly Some guys that, too, Kentucky's recruiting against Tennessee against. Mm-hmm. Big stuff. You notice that Tennessee, they were having to really show off that, that bourbon barrel, that beer barrel trophy. Yes. They're, they're really taking shots. Kentucky right now is having as much success as they've had it. Probably ever recruiting against head to head against Tennessee. Yeah. So, I but I feel good about where those guys are right now. You finish with a nice little exclamation point, and the the part the point that I, I tried to make last night on Twitter that just fell in deaf ears was that getting Gatewood could be big just from having quarterbacks to throw receivers yeah. passes. Because you got to be careful with some QB depth charts on Twitter. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just I, I should have known better. <laughs> You because, should have done the or. Just that's why the coaches do the or. God, just put I the or. I should have done it. Because here, here's the thing, folks. Like, I get it. Their bodies. But like, do you really think Walker Wood and Amani Gilmore are going to be viable options for Kentucky next fall? If not, they would be options now. Okay, mm-hmm. that's it's just the. It took an act of God to get Walker Wood five snaps. So like. I'm all that, surprised they gave him some because I thought they might want to get Sawyer some more work. Exactly. So here's where you look at, and that of course I forgot Sawyer because he's been hurt. But so get Sawyer two months to get healthy. You got Sawyer Smith going to be throwing passes. You Terry's have, out for the spring. Yeah, Terry's out for the spring. So the next guy you go to is so Scalzo. Yeah. Next guy you go to is Bo Allen. Bo Allen hadn't stepped foot on college campus yet. Are we sure he's enrolling early? Yeah, so. pretty. I'm almost 100%. Okay. He did an interview the other day. I didn't read. I'm just – that's what I get for assuming. I'd go back and he's not. But I'm pretty sure Bo Allen – I'm almost 90% positive Bo Allen's enrolling early. 
And then you need Gatewood because you need some quarterbacks to throw these receivers passes. They haven't been – they've been catching passes from GAs probably this entire time because who else they got to throw to them, right? And you – I know that that means there's five quarterbacks on depth chart, but realistic options to play, you're going to be handcuffed because two of your guys will be rehabbing. Scalzo had two ACLs in nine months. They're not rushing him back for spring ball. Nick, let me tell you a secret. What? Here's what's going to happen. Okay. A quarterback or two is going to transfer. No. That's how college football works. See, that's the thing, though, is you don't – So you're not going to have six scholarship quarterbacks on the team next fall. And and that's the thing that sucks with it is you don't want to – bash a kid that's on the roster right now, why those guys are never going to see a snap at UK? That's how it works. That's the position, and that's why you never stop recruiting it, and you bring in the best player you can. That you're, and you don't worry about any recruiting promises or any of that because it's such an important position, and the way the way it's treated now, if you guys aren't playing, they're leaving. It's, mm-hmm. you know, play or leave. And so – that's why you it's a it's a non non-ending turnstile. You're always bringing someone in and someone's jumping off. So that's you know you don't want to be in a position where you have to play receiver at quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. You you won't have that luxury next year. Right. And getting to Saturday, you mentioned hopefully you can have Bolden out of the game by first or second possession of the third quarter. Yeah. We've seen Kentucky in the spot previously come into the game thinking let's get out of here early. And it, it turns turns away from them, and then they find themselves in a four quarter ball game. Yeah, I think you don't play scary going in this game. You go in and you do what you do, and you do it as fast and as hard as you can in that first half. The first half is big. Get a lead, and then you can take away everything. But come out sharp, three thirty kick, and then defensively, UT Martin has a freshman quarterback, redshirt freshman pocket passer, who's up for the Jerry Rice Award, which is given out to the best freshman in FCS. So they've got kind of a future star there. And they've got uh, some good receivers and one really good running back for their for their level of play. But they live off big plays. So there's going to be three and outs, and there's going to be big play opportunities. They're going to take shots down deep, and they're going to run an outside zone, which Kentucky has struggled to guard. And who, do, who does that remind me of? That's Louisville's offense kind of too. A T. Yeah, yeah, it really is. They're gonna stat. They want to run the ball. They're gonna run outside zone runs, and they're gonna take their deep shots. So I think this is gonna be good practice for Kentucky's defense going into next week. And I also think that their defense, while a different scheme, is small and blitzes kind of like UT Martin does. So I think this is gonna be a nice, nice little tune-up. Nice little tune-up. It's yes. a nice little tune-up. It also lends itself to the. Once you think the game's over, UT Martin's going to get like a 60-yard touchdown, and you're like, damn it, just go away. I believe the line is 29-and-a-half. I haven't seen it anywhere yet. And the total's around 44, so that means Vegas is projecting like 37-7 to Kentucky. Hmm. So that's the kind of game you're seeing. Can Kentucky get their first shutout? I wasn't too far out on my shutout no. proclamation last week. If you don't have the scoop and score – and damn Vanderbilt doesn't run those two gadget plays, it probably happens. I'm trying to find a line in here. I can't find one in here. The one I found last night was 29. Usually those FCS lines are hard to find. Yeah. They usually don't give them out to like Friday. Yeah, they'll do it Friday. But the Friday. one I found last night was 29 and a half with a total of like 44. Hmm. Well, hopefully they cover. Make a nice little Saturday. Let's get consecutive 30-plus point games. Saw where uh, 
It's not weather's not looking great for Saturday, so it looks like it's going to rain at the start, but it'll probably be out of there by the second quarter. Yeah, so not good for the tailgating crowd. No, no. But hey, we'll be there. We'll be having a good time. We will. Oh, with so da- uh, uh, Dave Neal. Dave Neal. DJ Dave Shockley. Neal. Oh man, it's going to be a great time. Uh, we're excited for it. If you couldn't tell, we went like twenty minutes long today. We're just we're just excited, football guys. It's getting to our prime time part of the year where there's a lot of things happening, um, and that's why it's a great time to use my bookie to bet on some games, get you a little action, and win you some money. I made a killing off bowl season, and this, leading into it right now, this is a good time to make See, some money. Bowl season usually slaughters me. Well, you got the best of both worlds. You win some money with like it's picks now. I'll give you some picks later on down the road. Just go to mybookie.com.ag. Mybookie.ag. Yes, use the promo code 11 personnel. They'll match your deposit up to 1000 bucks, And they'll also give you a free $250 bet on the Lions-Bears game next Thanksgiving. The ultimate nap game. Yes. Get you a little extra gravy on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, man. This has been great. Enjoy the UT Martin win on Saturday. Have a good time. Go Cats. Go Croker.